Justin, how's your Facebook uh, Instagram skills these days, man? It's all depending on how much time I have. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like, a, I'm not a consistent Facebooker, and that's like a big, it's a big gap in my game. But like when I'm up there, like I can actually engage and, and build some, uh, build, do some audience building, but I just get stuck in the, in the work, man. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, I, I actually, my Facebook game is, is dead now because I don't use that rotten platform anymore. But some people love it. And, uh, actually, some people make really good money doing Facebook ads and Instagram ads. And you know what? We have someone who can like fill us in because obviously there's a gap in my knowledge. And well, as, a, as as since you are one of Mark Zuckerberg's top fanboys, this will be that's a great right. interview. This is going to be good. That's, that's right. So <laughs> without uh, any further ado, we will uh, dissect the uh, alien androids platform. <laughs> With uh, our very special guest, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Andro Sturgeon. And I am Justin Womack. And we are the Marketing Geeks. Marketing Geeks. All right. Welcome. Welcome. Hey, we have a, we have a, a guest, man. And uh, this guest. We do. Yeah. This guest is, uh, has 25 years of experience in sales and marketing. And uh, has the uncanny ability to uh, take another company's mission, vision, and message and get it in front of the right people at the right time through authentic marketing. And we talk about authentic marketing, so I want to hear more about that. And uh, uh, this guest is also uh, certified in all things related to Instagram and Facebook ads uh, and currently manages $4 million in ad spend. That That can... That can buy a lot of ping pong balls right there. And uh, a lot so, of uh, uh, Royale with cheeses over in that, Holland. That's right. That's right. And uh, she is also the co-host of the social media marketing happy hour podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Tracy Reuter. Woohoo! You guys are awesome. You're cracking me up over here. So glad to be here. Well, we're glad you're here too, man. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show, and uh, I'm 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 actually thrilled because um, uh, we we I hate on Facebook a lot, you know, because um, I, I I I well, uh, you can listen to old episodes uh, to understand why, but uh, but but I I I actually would love to know a little bit of your expertise. So tell us uh, for our, our listeners who don't know you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what I, what I haven't covered already. Yeah. Gosh, whenever I hear somebody say with 25 years of sales and marketing, I feel like the grandma these days. I am not a millennial. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I hear you. Oh, yeah. My gosh. Um, but yeah, so I, uh, I actually, um, you know, it's, it's a cool story for how I ended up getting in this and my background and all. I actually, um, got my degree in marketing, but I, I almost didn't make it through college because I worked in, I uh, grew up in a factory town. My mom uh, was a single parent raising me, couldn't afford college. And so my uncle, um, my uncle's one of those uh, quintessential success stories, comes from Greece, doesn't have, you know, more than like $3 in his pocket and ends up becoming a multimillionaire. And um, through being a, kind of a rich dad, poor dad situation, I really got to see the power of entrepreneurship. The coolest thing was um, actually I have two situations with that that really applies to what I do today. One is when I was like five, he took me and my grandfather to this uh, this business, um, it actually was like a strip mall. And we went into this, the, into this, um, shop and it was all under construction. And he started walking around and saying the oven's going to go here and the seats are going to go here. And, and then before I knew it in front of my eyes manifested this like pizza restaurant that ended up, I worked in it in high school, not in high school. I worked quote unquote, you know, like I'm a little kid, like eight, nine years old, like helping. Um, but it was really cool to see something from nothing. Right. And then fast forward a few years later, I think I'm somewhere around 11, 12 years old. He takes my grandfather and I again to this huge, huge plot of land where it's all staked out. And he says, this building's going to go here and this building's going to go here. And he ended up becoming one of the biggest commercial developers in this one little tiny town in Cape Cod in Massachusetts. And 
Uh, just out of cur- just out of curiosity, did he have yes. like entrepreneur parents, um, or like did he have some sort of background? Is your uncle? Is that your your dad's brother? It's mom's my brother? it's my mom's sister's husband. Uh, my mom's sister married him to oh, okay. keep him Through from marriage. being Through deported. Okay. Yes, mm, yeah, okay. yeah. He was going to be deported, um, and that's how he ended up, you know, in my life. And no, he did. He well, I guess technically he did have entrepreneurial parents. They were peach farmers. Okay, that's that's you know, loose, so, loose, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> loose, loose, yeah. Just a, I think, just a really ambitious came, came for the American dream, and um, I didn't realize until just a few years ago. Um, I was doing a, you know, as entrepreneurs, right? We do these courses. There's a great course, um, Chris Smith. It's like I think that's his name. It's the uh, campfire effect. Anyway, he takes entrepreneurs through this process to really understand your background story and why you're wired and how you are, and I. I never really put two and two together until I realized like, holy crap, like that's why I'm so good at seeing things before they happen because he he demonstrated it. And I connected this love of, you know, marketing that I fell in love with years ago um, with being able to serve these these entrepreneurs who are taking risks because, I mean, let me tell you what, that man came here with nothing. And because he took risks, his life changed. My aunt's life changed. My cousins, my cousins were subway franchisee owners at 18. Um, and uh, I mean, I didn't have that luxury, but he did pay for my college education. So I got a marketing degree because of him. And so, um, he's a, he is a, uh, I don't know if this is an R rated show or not, but he is a badass. Oh, it is. It's an R rated show. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) This man is a, he, he's a, he's in his, his seventies now and, um, going strong and still thinks he can take over the world at any given moment. And, uh, it's just been an amazing, I had an amazing opportunity to, to learn, um, just to see from the sidelines and up close from him. So, well, two things there. I mean, number one, it shows the power of having a mentor, um, because yeah. you had a mentor from a young age and like you hear Robert Kiyosaki's story, rich dad, poor dad, like that's a great example of proper mentorship versus, uh, maybe, genial mentorship or your normal <laughs> lineage. Um, and also it's, uh, it's, it's the kind of that, um, I listen to a lot, Gary Vaynerchuk a lot and he talks about how like immigrants just have like a, a work ethic at a different level than most, yeah. Oh, yeah. um, us born or, you know, domestic. That's <laughs> honestly it's so true. <laughs> what, that, that's the thing that drives me absolutely bonkers is when there's this like rage against immigrants. It's like, Man, I mean, look, first of all, uh, immigrants have built, you know, they they, they are the American dream, yeah. number one. Um, and, and number two, you know, every human mind is a resource. We don't know where the next Stephen Hawking or Bill Gates is going to come from. And, uh, you know, one generation in it, it, it you you know, it's it can make amazing stuff happen. So you limit uh, those ideas and those exchanges of uh, cultures and values it, it 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 limits human potential right for for sure and you know it's it, the, the the flip side of it all is is you know my mom being a single mom um had an incredible work ethic worked two jobs um you know all the time always worked but her mantra to me was get a get a good job with benefits and ironically that's that's what i did right i, I got out of college and i went um you know did a couple of things and ended up at at&t and um and you know got a sales job with my you know my marketing degree i i realized oh wait i like the sales arm of marketing better than some of the other things you know better than like operations and some of some of that stuff. Um, but I tr- got into that trap of, of, you know, being secure and having thing, you know, having a good job with benefits and did really well, like didn't crazy well. It was a great career Mo- moved to Chicago and, um, I'm from new England originally. And I moved to Chicago and got promoted after promoted before, you know what, I'm running an $80 million business unit. Um, and our clients are everything from Motorola to Joel's plumbing. Um, but, on my 29th birthday, my husband, um, at the time who was 34, well, he's still my husband. <laughs> he's been my husband for almost 25 years. But he years. was 34 back then. He was 34 <laughs> back then. He is not 34 anymore. Um, so tw- my 29th birthday, um, he was 34. He got diagnosed with Parkinson's disease mm. and I was working 80 plus hours a week. Now this was before she was, uh, she went to jail, but I used to say if Martha Stewart can run a empire on four hours of sleep a night, so can I. And I was, I was a workaholic and I was never, uh, never home. And, um, and I remember like that is that crisis and saying, what the hell am I going to do? Like, I can't, 
I can't do this. Like I need to be home. He had to stop working. Like it was terrible. And I immediately went back to my uncle and I didn't go to him, but I went to him in my mind and it was like, okay, what would he do? Like, do I open a restaurant? Like, what do I do? Um, and pizza uh, restaurant. A pizza, well, that's exactly what it was. Right. Cause I had, we, I grew up working at a pizza restaurant, man. I loved being able to walk into the cooler and grab handfuls of cheese. Like it was uh. awesome. So good. But um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was that, that I went back to, you know, I went back to that well of what I saw growing up to say, what the hell am I going to do to get through this? And it wasn't, it wasn't a straight, it wasn't a linear path. There was a lot of like error and, and screw up and uh, bankruptcy and, you know, going from a, a $400,000 a year income to like, yeah, we can't afford groceries. Like it was, <laughs> it was not easy. Um, and it, and it took a while, but it ended up, um, it ended up actually being, through my show, through the podcast, I met somebody, I, I met a, a colleague and we started teaching social media. And, um, uh, it was through that show where I really started geeking out over, fa uh, over Facebook ads because gosh, you could put a dollar in and get a dollar out. Like this is the greatest thing <laughs> that I've ever seen. Well, let's take um, a step back for a second though. Yeah. Cause, um, so you are at AT&T in a marketing, um, senior marketing role, um, a sales role. Yep. Yep. What was it that made you leave initially? Like you, you lack, like for me, when I worked in corporate, it was the lack of control over my schedule was the biggest thing, I think, because um, I was so miserable and, and I don't like routine either. So yeah. <laughs> feeling trapped in <laughs> trapped in routine and having somebody else have control over my schedule was rough. But but what was it for you? And then what business did you end up starting right when you when you did leave and you started your first business um, after leaving that? Was was that right away into social media or what? What was the first business? Was it a marketing agency like without social or what was it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so part of what made me leave, there's a couple things. So I, I ended up taking a leave of absence because my husband getting sick. And at the same time, um, the aunt who married the Greek immigrant, um, was, was dying. She was dying okay. of, and ended up wow. passing away. So I was like, I was finding myself, like I couldn't handle the pressure of, I had a, I had 120 people who worked for me in the sales organization. So I covered the Midwest, Chicago, um, Indianapolis, uh, Milwaukee, that whole area. And the pressure of that and my family life falling apart, I would trap myself in the ladies room and sob and then like fix my makeup and go back into like a meeting about how are we going to get more market share from the Hispanic market? You know, like stuff that at the time I was like, this, I don't care. Like, I just don't care about this. The kind of a values clash where you want to be with your family, but your job doesn't, I, uh, doesn't fit. How, how did you, how did you get through that time? Like that, that must've been pretty It was intense. brutal. Yeah. It was, it yeah. was, it was pretty rough. I, I unfortunately I had had an even more brutal childhood. So hmm. this was hard, but it, it was kind of like I'd been prepared. I think like, I, I don't know. It was, it was, I'll be honest. It was a very, very difficult time in, in my life. And, um, and still, I wonder, like, I wonder people, people ask me all the time, like you and your husband, it's been, you know, it's been 19 years and you smile all the time. And I'm like, Oh, it could have been worse. Like he could be dead. Like he could be an asshole. Like there could be a lot of things that could be worse. But, uh, I think it was through like, you know, took, took a leave of absence, got some help, like started seeing a therapist, you know, got some help back then. And, um, it was during that time I took the full advantage of the family medical leave act that they had here in the U S right. And I, I did that for 12 weeks and during that 12 weeks, I think that ruined me forever for corporate. I, I never really liked authority very well. And that goes back to like, you know, some stuff that happened when I was a kid. Um, and I just didn't realize how much it was just killing me. Um, but then I wasn't really thinking start a, start a business. I was trying to think of start a business, but I wasn't, I wasn't confident. So I ended up, I ended up taking a position with Dun & Bradstreet. I don't know if you know who they are, pretty big uh, company, data company. And I, I was their area vice president, like killer, killer money, like un, just like sick money. Um, but a part of my, um, soul for serving big corporations was dead. And so I lasted there for about 10 months. And then what I ended up doing is I ended up, um, ended up doing network marketing thinking that was going to be it. What were you it selling? Such, oh God. I, like the most horrific nutritional product ever. But the results, the results people were getting were amazing, but it tasted like, I don't even, there's no, yeah, the taste was terrible. There's no taste <laughs> in the world that tastes like this. Like you'd have to hold your nose. It was awful. And, and how did you, how did you do with, with that? Uh, I, we, I, I did horrible, like absolutely yeah. horrible. And I had never really failed at anything. Hundreds a month, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Hundreds. Well, so I, I stayed with that way too long. That's how we ended up like running through all of our money. And then I, I did end up going to another company and that company, I crushed it. I was, um, their top earning female. I was on their, um, their board of directors, uh, another network marketing company, another company. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But what ended up like, and, and our like top crushing, it was like four grand a month. Like it, 
it, it, you know, but it's just still, nice. I mean, it's still pretty good. Yeah. Still pretty. Yeah. Yeah. No, trust me. It's not that bad, but it's not like, you know, but what ended up happening not when was, you were making a Dun & Bradstreet. Oh my God. No. no. Yeah. I know. I'm like making a hundred grand a quarter and now I'm like, Ooh, 4,000, you know, anyway, yeah. uh, the company that I was succeeding in, the CFO, uh, liked hookers and drugs. And when he was trying to well, expand, who doesn't? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're right, Andros, you're right. Damn it. I knew this would be too fun today. I don't want everybody to know my, my secrets. But so he ended up embezzling a bunch of money and the company went out of business and it was like, oh my God, this is awful. And so I just- What, what is the industry was this one in? This was this also health and wellness? Also, this was also nutrition. So, so- Yeah, this is also nutrition. Over the court, like how long, what, what was the time span? Like your husband getting sick, like getting, get, you know, going through all of this, like go burning through your money, doing, you know, what, what, what time frame are we talking about? Uh, way too freaking long. Honestly, like I, I, there was a piece of me back then that was so stubborn and prideful that I, I, like I should have went and got a job because I was super skilled. Do you know what I mean? I was super yeah. talented and super skilled, but I was like, no, I will make this work. Um, so for, it was from, let's see, two, 2005 until, um, I, I mean, I launched my agency five years ago. So almost 10 years, 10 so, years of just torture. So what, what, what was the, what was the kind of the moment that you're like, you know what, I'm really, I'm going to start this agency and I'm going to move forward. And what was, what was kind of like the plan at that point? Yeah. So, okay. So that, that's kind of when the podcast, the social media marketing happy hour comes into play. Um, at the time, um, I had been mentored by a really big JV marketer. Like he was really big into aff affiliate marketing, JV marketing. And I, can you say his name by chance? I'm just curious. Uh, Lawrence Tam. Okay. Don't know him, but I was curious. Yeah. I know some so, of them that are very into that. Yeah. yeah. So he's on, he's in that space and great guy, uh, calls himself the frugal Asian. Um, he started making like hundred K a month doing what he was doing and he had no sales background. So he actually hired me to run business development for him and, I learned in, in exchange, I learned digital marketing. Like I learned everything. I learned all, like I learned SEO. I learned email. I mean, I learned everything. And, um, and so because of him, I started meeting some people in the space and, um, I met my co-hosts for social media marketing happy hour. And we just had this chemistry and we were like, let's do something. So we started doing Google Hangouts, teaching, um, teaching different things, right? Everything from funnels to email marketing and thinking, okay, like how can we monetize this? And, uh, we, you know, we started the podcast, the podcast came after all the Google Hangouts and stuff. And, um, originally we were trying to use it to recruit for network marketing. And, uh, so we, uh, we, we launched the show and end up having a million downloads in five months. Oh, wow. Like cr crazy, like now, when was this? This is, uh, this would have five been, years ago uh, or more. This would have been five years, uh, 2013, 2014. I okay. lose track of time. Um, because <laughs> the crazy thing is we went off the air for three years. Okay. Um, and we're back, we've been back on since uh, early this year, but, um, so while we were, while we were, you know, doing all that and, and teaching all that stuff, that's when I started to really get into the ad side and I would talk about it on the show. And I started having a few people approach me saying, would you, would you run my ads? And my co-host at the time, so we had started this business around the podcast and we had created like 17 courses and we started selling them and all that sort of stuff. She wanted nothing to do with done for you. She, she wanted, she did not want relationships with people. She just wanted to sell stuff online and not talk to anybody. And I was very different. I'm like, God, you know, going back to my uncle, right? Like, Oh my gosh, these entrepreneurs are amazing They're but they don't have time to be, to, to know what I know. And so it kind of started, I mean, it wasn't a plan. I wish I could tell you, I wish to God I could say this was always my plan, but it was not, it was not my plan. Um, I didn't want to start an agency. And, but all of a sudden, like I started getting these opportunities and they were exciting and they were good and they, they were lucrative and I was good at it. And, um, and crazy thing, uh, because my, my life has never been smooth sailing. Um, uh, right after I started the agency, I went into stage 3.5 adrenal failure, which is like pretty, pretty rough. Um, <laughs> couldn't like, I just, I, I mean, I couldn't sleep. I, I was so incredibly sick. My doctor said, if you don't get your stress under control, you're going to die. And I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. Like that's a pretty, that's a pretty big wake up call when you already have a sick husband and like all the pressures on you. And, um, so here I am with this brand new agency, basically, a, uh, I'm a freelancer, right? Just me. Uh, but all I could do is like manage 12 hours a week. 
And so I did, and I did the best that I could. And, you know, I started to get well, money was coming in and then I started working more and then I brought on a team member and, you know, and then it just started to snowball from there. But it was a crazy, crazy beginning. I have a couple questions for you. Uh, One, because you said in your first five months of the podcast, you hit a million downloads. Was there anything that you did there intentionally or was that like a viral moment for you or? Um, yes and yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes and yeah, yes. Yeah. So so back then, um, you could do things that you can't do today, right? Like there were things mm-hmm. that you could do, like with Twitter, you could hack some different things. And so um, it was actually, to me, it was a very simple tactic. I, I was a really good um, uh, short copywriter. Like I could write headlines like crazy. So for every episode, I'd write like five to 10 different headlines basically for every episode. And then we loaded them into a uh, 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 what was it called? It's, I don't remember. It's not even around anymore, but we loaded into the software and it would just tweet. It would tweet. Like if you go to my Twitter page, which I'm not active on it really anymore, like thousands and thousands and thousands of tweets because <laughs> we would tweet like every five minutes, a different episode. And so we drove crazy, crazy amounts of traffic to the show. And, um, and, you know, and then the other piece was, is we did get highlighted in a couple of big publications, like entrepreneur.com wrote an article and we were rated in the, we were rated the number one value driven marketing podcast for entrepreneurs Wow! in wow. 2015. So now, okay. So after all this, you, you start the agency and it's funny because I've had conversations about this where. I think the majority of business owners don't want to talk to clients. They want, they want, they want everything to be automated. They want it all like, this machine will take care of all that. I don't need to deal with it. Um, but I I do think that there's, there has to be some sort of a medium there. Uh, if you want to really scale, (laughs) and there has to be some, there's going to be contact. Um, but okay. So you started taking on private clients. How, How big were these clients? Like what industries were you serving early on? Um, was there, were you targeting certain industries? Were you just taking who came to you? Um, so, Tell me about that yeah. and like what yeah, the size of the company. So yeah. as a matter of fact, I've, I've uh, never actually run an ad for my own business, which is, you know, mm. I don't know if that's hip- hypocritical or, or what, but um, everything's always come to me. Uh, I've done, you know, a little bit of networking and hustling and things like that. But for the most part, we've been very fortunate. A word of mouth has built our company. Um, so our very first client was an e-commerce brand. Um, it was a monthly subscription box. It was a listener. It was a listener who just, who <laughs> loved us. And you know, the, the, I think the, the part, you know, there's a lot of intimacy, right. With a podcast, you're in somebody's yeah, ears. Yeah. So he trusted me and, um, and you know, I was, a. Uh, uh, I think, you know, we didn't, we didn't stay together for super long. And I think part of that was because I was sick, you know, and it was hard for me to keep up with it. Um, but it was a really fun experience in the beginning, like really geeking out over like architecting this process, you know, so it's not just like slapping up an ad, but like really being intentional about a strategy. So he was my first client. And then I started having um, a lot of info product clients. Cause we knew, you know, a lot of those people listened to us. Um, and then over time, it's just, it's kind of grown. And it's, it's funny because I've got a couple of still have a couple of pretty small clients, um, small meaning like maybe like a a million, (laughs) maybe. And then Mm -hmm. our biggest client does Oh gosh, there are privately held companies. I'm not sure their recent numbers, but it's well over 500 million in sales. Um, and they're, they're going to do an IPO this, yeah, they're going to file an IPO this year. And and that one's really fun. That's a really fun account to work in. So more flexibility. Oh oh my gosh. Yeah. So what, what, uh, what changes have you seen in the Facebook environment since you started doing this? <laughs> I thought you were going to say since this morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> since the article oh came out this gosh. morning about Mark Zuckerberg visiting at the White House, which there oh was one God. this morning. Yeah. Was it yeah. really? Yeah. Oh, Having Lord. a secret dinner with uh, Peter Thiel, also one of my favorite <laughs> Silicon Valley people of all time. Uh, him and Donald Trump and, uh, they all sat around talking about how they can steal another, I mean, (laughs) how can we screw the Winklevoss twins again? (laughs) (laughs) Those poor guys. It is, it, 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 I won't, I won't lie. Like it terrifies me that my entire livelihood, my team's livelihood, I was telling um, a prospect the other day, they were asking me about, you know, what do you do to keep uh, your client's accounts from being, um, shut down. And I said, you know, in five years, we've never had an account shut down. Like we, mm-hmm. we f- were very much goody two shoes when it comes to following policy. Like we don't walk in gray areas. Um, and I said, you know, look, I'm going to be really like, I'm just going to be really transparent with you. Like it's important that we keep your account safe, but this is our livelihood. Every person that works for me with the exception of one pays their mortgage with our income. So it's more yeah, important. That's terrifying. That's it's terrifying. terrifying. Because yeah. I mean, like there, there, there may come a point 
right? Uh-huh. Where where there's just a mass exodus of Facebook. It just turns into a ghost town. And there may. Uh, and and but there will be the uh, next thing, though, right? Yeah. 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 So, so are you looking at any other platforms that might replace the that 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 possible eventuality? Yeah. So, I mean, right what, right now, the, the thing that there's a couple things that I've been really thinking through because uh, right now our clients are 50 50 e-commerce and 50 percent like info products, consultants, coaches, that kind of stuff. Um, and so we've been doing a lot with um, revenue optimization, like conversion rate optimization. How can we how can we help that? Because that's actually that has nothing to do with traffic. Um We've been looking at that. So that's like back end, back end funnels, like your back end, yeah. Your up, Making sure like the buttons yeah. are right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sim- simple things like um, I think what was I reading the other day? Something um, I could find the stat for you, but it's um, I have it right here. It's insane. Uh, there's a two hundred and thirteen billion dollar opportunity cost in the U.S. alone because of marketing friction. So friction points. Explain that. Check out pages. What, what do you mean by friction points? So yeah. So you're, let's just, I'm going to use it from a, an ad standpoint, right? So you, you um, see an ad, the message resonates with you. You click through, you're like, yeah, the sales page is good. You really, really like it. You're on your mobile phone. Cause we're all on our mobile phone now. Um, you're laying in bed at night. This actually happened to me. And I did a video about this exact thing. You're like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to buy this. And you go through the whole process and you get to the end, you get to the checkout and they don't take any mobile pay. And your hmm. wallet is downstairs and you're in bed and you're like, eh, yeah. I'll get this tomorrow. And then you never get it. Nope. Right. Okay. So that's a, that's friction. Like that's just one thing. It could be load speeds. It could be, uh, we had a client recently that we found that when you clicked on a product preview, there was no button to purchase from the preview. Hmm. Like those well, are I, friction. I think if you ask too like, many questions also before you take the, the payment, that could also probably oh, that's friction. A, our yeah. biggest client has an insane car abandon rate that if uh, they would just, and there's, there's statistics that show if you require somebody to create an account before they purchase, it's, it re- increases your abandoned car rate by 24%. Like, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, so, you know, things, things like that. So we're looking at that type of stuff. We're doing more and more consulting for our clients with that. Um, I've been looking at things like uh, bringing in Google, uh, you know, Google pay-per-click, um, you know, LinkedIn has um, ads, but. <laughs> You know, they're, still, they're yeah. still a little weird. Yeah, we've played with them a little bit. Yeah, yeah, they're super weird and they're super expensive. So, I mean, there's always going to be something. So I'm, I'm not terribly worried, but, I, you know, it's I think it's my job as CEO to be looking forward both for my team um, and for our clients is how can we how can we make sure that. So I'm going to I'm going to ask you a hard question here because um, your your website is uh, divine dot com, which is uh, uh, that's a great URL. Oh, um, and, and, uh, uh, so divine social.com. And, and I, I assume that, you know, based on your, uh, experiences and your transformation, there's a spiritual element to that name. You would be correct. Yeah. So, so how, how do you, <laughs> I think I know where this is going. <laughs> All right. So, so how do you reconcile like working with this evil fucking corporation? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, giving yeah. money to them. I mean, I, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how strongly I am against Facebook. My, the, 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 the big client that I'm working with right now, they were breaking down like where we're going to put their money for the next quarter. And they, they had like an ungodly, like more money than I've ever dealt with, with it. Like it was, it was just, I'm like, you could build a hospital with this money. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and they're like, yeah, well, how do you want to divvy it? And at first I was like, well, Facebook, but then I was like, you know what? Uh, F these guys. I'm not, I'm just, <laughs> I, I'm going, I'm advising you guys not to give money to Facebook. How's that? And they were like, well, why not? And I, I just came up with some, bullshit reason but, but, but <laughs> i i just i just I'm, I'm at a point now where i can't find it in my conscience to give this like support this stupid awful thing anymore it's yeah. evil so yeah how, how do i so reconcile how, how do you do it how do you do it yeah there's a lot of things in life these days that are hard to reconcile um, but yeah, I mean, so, so it, it does have a def, you know, for sure there is a spiritual connotation. I actually, um, went to two years of ministry school. Um, so yeah, like it, it, it's part of what got me through all of the things that I've had to go through in life. And so, so collectively as a team, one of the things that we strive to do, um, now 
this is not addressing the how do we fathom, you know, how do we reconcile giving Facebook money? Um, but the one thing that we really try to do is we try to partner with amazing companies doing great things. And we try to make sure that we are, we are, well, we not try to, we, we 100% control it because we're the ones writing the copy. We're the ones putting the ads out. We, we really work hard to make sure that the stuff that we put out onto that platform is a value. Um, it's not spammy. It's not clickbait. It's not stuff that is creating. Uh, I won't take on a client that is making our our culture. I, I have I have very strong opinions about this too. I always it's like God. I hate Facebook. In fact, I'm I'm gonna I'm actually gonna be creating a new profile soon because one of my highest personal values is relationships, and I think theoretically Facebook, that's what it was supposed to do was create relationships. But instead, it's like you know, it's done all sorts of things to us. It's as been people. weaponized. Well, yeah. it has been. So because of some, some really cool and really difficult things that have happened in my life recently, um, I don't post on Facebook because there are, uh, people I'm related to that stalk me and it's none of their business what's going on in my life. And so I decided recently I was inspired. Um, I was inspired by, a uh, actually by, by my sister. I have a sister who didn't know for 40 years that she was my sister. And I just found out or she oh, just, wow. she just found out. Was yeah. that one of those ancestry things? Uh, no, well, no, I wish it was. Um, okay. I thought oh, that's oh, how she was going to find out. Can you talk about this? Uh, yeah, yeah. I can this sounds like a it. great story. So, so, so let's say, cause I, I, I gotta give like this. <laughs> Like short segue. I'll try to do short. So, so basically I've known, I've known about her. My dad, um, was a piece of human trash. Um, I loved him. He was super fun. He, out of all of his children, he was the best. How do you really feel about him? Well, if you, I mean, if you like it, uh, yeah, this would not be a short segue. This is one of those like, Oh wow. So anyway, complicated. Yeah. Super complicated. (laughs) But, uh, so basically, uh, when I was eight, I, I knew he, like, I knew he had a girlfriend while he was married to my mother. And I knew she had a baby because the, the mom, um, chased me home from school one day, you know, what? crazy stuff, like really crazy yeah. stuff and small town. Like we, at, when my brother, my brother's 18 year, 18 months younger than she is. They went to high school together. We had to tell my brother, like this, she's your sister. You can't date her, but her oh, family wow. carried on a lie for 40 years. They didn't tell her. She thought her adopted dad was her real dad. Wow. And, um, just recently her um, one of her sisters couldn't take it anymore and said, enough is enough. Like your life, we've been, we've all been controlled by this lie. We can't do it anymore. And so, um, ironically she's in marketing. She is, she is a HubSpot marketing certified partner. Like it's crazy. It's in the blood. It's in the blood. blood. Yeah. It's in the blood. So, but but anyway, that, that segue, um, (laughs) one of the things that I, that I've learned from her in the short period of time we've been building a relationship is she's done a magnificent job curating the people that she's connected to. And my cousin's wife says, if I won't say hello to you in, in, in the grocery store, you're not going to be on my, my page. And so right. I'm going to, cause I used Facebook the wrong way in the beginning. I've got like, yeah. I, I've been, I've been calling it, but I still have like 3,500 connections. I don't know who these people are. And I, yep. I want to, I want to go back to, to connection and relationships. So I'm actually going to start a new page and it's going to be super small and people I trust and people I care about and people that I, I want to see their shit and I want them to see mine. <laughs> and that's that, it. Was, that was my problem too, is I took bad advice. Well, I think the advice was the right advice early on At to connect with as many people as possible. Correct. Uh, but now it's terrible. <laughs> and now my engagement on Facebook is horrible because I have so many people that, um, you know, I don't even know who they are. They don't know who I am probably. Or maybe they've heard the show once, something like that. Um, and and it's, yeah, it's not, it's not working from an organic traffic standpoint. (laughs) I I just had, I had, I mean, I did kind of the same thing, but I ended up with like, actually to, to, to be perfectly frank, I mean, there's no, I'm, you know, I I don't hide my, my views on, on anything, but, uh, on the show, but I, I, I had a lot of people who were, uh, who I liked and I considered friends and then the election happened and I was like, how do you, how did you become a racist idiot? Like how, when did that happen? (laughs) And, and, uh, and they, they, like I had people literally going back, like, like stalking my posts and commenting and, uh, it, it was, it just it became such a toxic environment that I uh, I just decided not to engage in that platform anymore. And I got to tell you, I've been better off for it. I really, yeah. Well, I really I'll it's be honest. On Twitter a lot too. <laughs> yeah. We're we're already talking to our clients. I mean, it's it's November of of 2019. We are talking to our clients yeah, we're, about we're how close. next yeah. year is an election year. And yeah. it happens in the fourth quarter, and we really need to be prepared because a lot of a lot of e-commerce businesses, specifically, they count on Facebook traffic for their fourth quarter sales, and that fourth quarter they count on that for their whole year sales. So I am already like we're already talking 
strategy for the first part of the year to try to mitigate that because it is, it's, it's really different. And I, I think, you know, maybe I sound a little Pollyanna with this, but it's just my personal philosophy as well as our company is we, we're just trying to put as much good into a place. Um, I just believe light always overcomes dark. And yeah, um, the only way it doesn't is if you don't turn your light on. So, so, we, so we're trying, you know, we're so trying. how are you preparing for the election? Well, right now, we are currently in the midst as we're recording this, like we are, are up to our eyeballs in Black Friday, Cyber Monday um, for, yeah. you know, for this year. So right now, all we're doing is talking about it. Like we're making every client aware of it. And as soon as we get through um, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, holiday, all that, then I think what we're going to do is we're going to start um, having strategy sessions with every client and talking about how can we, what can we do first quarter, second quarter um, that we can maybe shake things up that we don't normally do, that we can drive more sales. And actually it kind of goes back to like our entire philosophy. Um, one of the things I've been talking about for, I don't know, three years now, since, since, uh, three out of the five years of the agency is the critical nature of making sure that your ad campaigns blend branding with direct response, because the people that are only doing direct response are going to suffer. Um, and so that, you know, with our clients, we run, um, we call it audience. I, I, I've my, my IP, I call it the three pillars to successful social ads and it's three buckets and it's, it's essentially, um, audience building engagement and conversions. And when you, when you put the three of those things into a Venn diagram, the, the center is the sweet spot and the clients that we've done that with, and we only do that now, like you don't get to work with us if you aren't in agreement with this philosophy. Um, by doing that, we create a machine that we can kind of turn, we can scale up and down at any time, pretty much at will. So the focus I think into, into Q1 and Q2 next year is going to be going really, really hard on that audience building and engagement, ballooning up what we call level two traffic. Um, level two traffic would be lukewarm traffic. So um, they go from cold to maybe they watched a video or they um, clicked through to a, to a blog post or something like that. And Can I ask you real quick um, sure. on, on audience building? So for you, for audience building, are you um, talking, creating, funneling people into a group? Are you talking um, page likes are you, or page followers? Or are you talking getting them on the email list? Like what, what to you is, audience, is qualifying as audience building? Because I imagine not friends because anyone can get 5,000 friends on Facebook. It doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're not doing anything with business. I mean, with personal pages anyway, but okay. so for us, audience building is, it's a, actually very broad. Um, it is, it's fans, it's new fans. Cause that actually does matter when it, it comes to matter, ads, yeah. right? Because you're, you're a person who's a fan of your business page can see up to four ads per day. Everybody else can only see two. So it does matter. So fans and it's social proof when people look back at the page that's running the ad and if they Correct. have like two likes, it's, you know, oh, that's not a very <laughs> yeah. popular page. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but that's actually, so fans is the least important of all of the things that we're focusing on. Um, we, we place a heavy emphasis on video viewers because we can actually build audiences of people who watch yeah. certain percentages of videos. Mm -hmm. Um, that's one, uh, it could be link clicks to specific content. So it, it's typically top of funnel content. Um, it, that's usually part of it. And then people who engage, they engage with your page, they engage with your post. Um, it, think about it this way. Do you, do you guys remember when the Facebook pixel first came out and everybody was like, build your invisible list, like build your, you know, pixel people. If you can't get I, them I in your do, email. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So 2014 like ish around there. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere around there. So this is kind of that same philosophy. It's the invisible list, but it's not necessarily only driving them to your site that you can create this pixeled audience. So we, we focus on, um, in fact, even in our client dashboards, we have an entire tab, um, that is all around, uh, level two traffic growth and account health, the things that we can control with the Facebook algorithm. Um, and so it's those things. It's not email. Um, email would be, um, further down and, or I guess higher up hotter traffic. Um, mm -hmm. typically we get them into that level we call level two first, and then, um, email opt-ins well, would come later. Let me ask you this. Cause I, I, I played a lot with Facebook and the backend of the platform and I understand, um, custom audiences and, and segmenting by video view percentages mm -hmm. and all that. Um, do you do a lot of multi-step campaigns, meaning like step one is I'm going to release a video and it's going to, I'm going to run an ad for video views just to build a custom audience. Yes. And then step two is now I'm going to use that audience and run that to a landing page, um, top of funnel thing. Or yep. is that kind of like what you're doing or what? Yeah. What are, yeah. yeah. So we're essentially, what we're doing is we are architecting out advertising funnels. So everyone's, everyone knows what a funnel is, right? Sales. Mm -hmm. And if you're in marketing, you know what a sales funnel is. We're, we're architecting out advertising funnels. And I've got so many case studies where if we create this, um, now there's a key to all this. 
the, the steps have to be congruent. And this is like common sense, but you'd be surprised at how many people miss this. Even my own coaching clients miss this. Um, the, the, the steps have to be congruent, right? So good old Stephen Covey with the seven habits of highly effective people, begin with the end in mind, and then work your way back with the types of information that people would need. We, we, we're really, really heavy on using the customer journey framework, you know, so from um, awareness to interest. Is it Russell Brunson? So is that? Um, no, this is like before Russell own. Brunson was born. No, I mean, this okay. is like legit, like this is legit yeah. marketing customer journey stuff, you know? So funny. Yeah, okay. And digital marketing, like we think people like Ryan I, I just, yeah, he, and Russell he, Brunson. He did a good job of branding it yeah, like as yeah. your own, but yeah, it's yeah. not his. Yeah. No, it's not his. <laughs> this is like back in, you know, the... Uh, the the late uh, 80s, early 90s when I was in college. Like this stuff was around for a while. So even before that, you know? So mm-hmm. so we're thinking about how do we, what types of content do we put in front of those people at, at the different stages that they're at to help them go to the next step? And so um, that is essentially what we're doing. And what we find is that when we start to run conversion campaigns to recently engaged traffic, traffic we've engaged with something of value, something that's congruent, typically it's a third to a half of the conversion cost. Now you have to add in what you paid to get them to that point, but it's usually a fraction of if you went straight to cold. And what are the conversions that you're running? What kind of conversions? We, all of them. Um, pretty much all of them. We, we, um, do you ever do like add to cart though? Or do you mostly do like you want the actual sale to happen? You know, so it's funny. Depends on, depends on the client, depends on the budget. So and it also depends on the stage in the funnel. So sometimes we will drive add to cart. Uh, right now we've been doing um, a conversion campaign for an info product client that um, when we launched it, uh, they, had a, they had a 20X return on ad spend in the first 36 hours and the client didn't understand and shut it off. And we were like, wait, don't what? touch. You're not allowed to Did touch that. that. Yeah. Um, and so the, when um, we got- <laughs> This to, is miraculous what's happening here. You shut it off. Yeah. Damn it. Um, but when they came back on- <laughs> And that hurts it too because it's all driven by artificial intelligence too. It, so it is. Partially anyway. Yeah. It's super done that way. So the client came back and, and turned it on. Um, or no, we, we turned it back on. We did a whole bunch of stuff to fix some things. And- um, the budget got cut hard. Like we were running $400 a day and now our budget is, well, let me say it differently. We were running $400 a day on one component of the campaign. And mm-hmm. now all we have is 500 bucks for the whole week for wow. everything. That's, why would anyone do that? It doesn't even make any sense. Like if you're making, sense. if you're profitable, it makes no sense. Yes. Well, yes. Well, Welcome okay. to client services, right? That's, that's her deal or his deal. Yeah. His, yeah. <laughs> uh, his and her deal, husband and wife. So, okay. um, so what's happening right now is we, the conversions, uh, the sales conversions are stalled out. So today, as a matter of fact, just before the call, um, we were looking at it as a team and said, all right, let's, let's back up a step. We're going to have to optimize for because it's info products. We have to optimize for landing page views. Because what kind of we, a price point on the, uh, on the product? It's a, it's a one, uh, 197 price point, And we were, um, getting, we were getting cost per sale at like 14 bucks. Like it was unbelievable. Turn that off. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, turn it off. Dude, Give me a thousand dollars a day. <laughs> Um, in all fairness, and this is actually one of my favorite clients. Um, it was, yeah, it was, a, they were, they were running a big event. They had a huge event coming up and they were, they were under the gun for a lot of money for the live event for hotel rooms and all that. And, um, they, um, they panicked and they shut yeah, it off. It's always cash flow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a big piece, right? Like that's a big piece of this, um, part of my conversation with clients is on this whole customer journey piece. It's not just, it's not just architecting it's not just architecting campaigns for the customer journey. It's understanding your customer journey because your customer journey dictates your sales cycle and your sales cycle dictates your, your cash flow. And it's shocking to me the number of business owners who don't have any freaking clue about this stuff. Well, let me ask you this. For the 197, for this particular like, example, um, what was it a like a video sales letter that would go on the landing page or was it like a webinar or was it just a direct long form sales copy page? And, um, like, what, what, what was what the... Was it? Um, how are you? How are you informing the clients what they were getting, and then uh, before making that offer? I'm just curious. Yeah. So for 197, we typically don't need a webinar, in my, in my experience, especially mm-hmm. if it's going, you know, depending upon who the market is. Um, but this, so we've had actually very clear steps on this. So this is a this particular client launched a uh, a book earlier this year, huge, huge success. They've been on the Today Show and Entertainment Tonight, and they've been all over the all over the place. Okay. So at the top of the funnel for ads, what we do is we have these four videos um, that were basically produced by Jay Shetty. Do you know who Jay is? Well, I, I had never heard of him until all the controversy. So the controversy. I, actually okay. had, I didn't know who he was until until uh, all this uh, forgery or whatever you want to call it. Oh, yeah, that, whatever. So his, plagiarism, his, I mean. Plagiarism. His, plagiarism. <laughs> his, uh, 
his team produced these four videos that are essentially the key concepts of this book. So we run those four of their viral videos. We've run, oh my gosh, probably 4 million views per video for four, four videos so far this year. It's been amazing. Um, so we run that at the top of the funnel. And then what we do from there is we retarget people who've watched 50% or more. And then we send them to a, um, a video of our client being interviewed about his book and the concepts on the today show. Um, and the call to action there is to purchase the book. And then anybody that lands on the book purchasing page, then they get offered the masterclass. Makes sense. Um, okay. and the masterclass is just a sales letter. It, there's not a video it's, it's, but they've seen multiple videos by the time they get to that point. Mm-hmm. So you basically build these systems where you're building with each step you're building upon, like once you get the yes on one level, then there's another step that, yeah, okay. My my opinion, there's a lot of pre-selling being done with these things too. Like the fact that she's been on the Today Show, the fact, like there's a lot of authority building that's in advance, a lot of uh, what you call a pre-suasion with like uh, Robert Cialdini style. Um, There's a lot of that. and, And the fact that you they have some familiarity at that point because you've run multiple ads to get them to there. So I think it, it all matters. Like the t- there has to be a few touch points to really get somebody's trust, um, especially well, like this day and age. It's huge, right? So when I was when I was at AT and T, we knew back then in the in the '90s, right, that it took seven seven touches before mm-hmm. you could get a decision from a client on yeah, average. Rule of seven. Rule I've, been seven. Hearing, I've been hearing some crazy numbers recently, though. Well, so here's here's one number: the average adult gets 400 marketing messages a day. 400, right? Yeah, that's so you the average. Cut. I probably get three times that. Right, right, because we're in marketing. So yeah. there's a great book. It's uh, I think he did a, a refresh not too long ago, but it's called Endless Referrals by Bob Berg. It's a, an oldie but a goodie. Mm-hmm. And in it, he talks about this concept of the of all things being equal. People do business with people they know, like, and trust. And so I took that concept, right, and my whole concept of the you know this sales cycle and all of that kind of thing and said, all right, look, it's not just know, like, and trust. Because think about this, right? It's the middle of the night. Um, you're, you know, I'm in Colorado. So the the heat goes out now in the middle of the night at the zero moment of truth, who am I going to call? Am I going to call, um, the, the person that, um, I never hear from, but you know, I love them and they're a great human being. And I totally forgot what they do for a living. Or am I going to call the person that's been direct mailing me and they've been in my newsfeed and they've, they sent me a magnet on my refrigerator. I'm going to call the person, not just that I know, I can trust, but that I remember, and yeah. that's the key. And mm-hmm. that's what, that's what most people are, are, you know, when you combine the two, if you can combine the no like, and trust by with providing top, top <laughs> right, right. With top of mind. That's why I think our clients are crushing it on, on Facebook because we're using all of those things together and not just slapping up a conversion campaign to try to generate leads. Okay. And, and now ignoring the controversy for now, um, <laughs> what, are you running any traffic on Instagram too? Are you running paid ads on Instagram also, or is everything exclusively Facebook? Are yeah. you, um, what about like splits in terms of desktop mobile? Have you played with anything? Yes. There? Yes. Yeah. Um, I got a lot of data on that. And even, so, even like I, like iOS versus Android operating systems, those kind of things. Yep. Yeah. So, um, we've got some killer reporting. Um, my younger brother is a predictive analytics analytics, Fantasy football is stuck. Fantasy football, he is. He is. Uh, on Twitter, you can follow him at Rynoon if you like fantasy football. Um, but he's uh, he's kind of our data scientist, and so we're we're doing a lot of high level things that we didn't used to do, which is so so freaking cool. Um, so yeah, we run Facebook and Instagram. It's the same platform. I loved it when everyone was like, "I'm leaving Facebook and going to Instagram." It's like right. uh, same company people, but right. that's okay. Um, I'm going to Oculus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do WhatsApp. Oh, yeah. wait. <laughs> so um, it, uh, we're still personally finding that even with even with e-com, Instagram is more expensive. It's not really there yet. Instagram is an excellent place for people to discover brands, but it's not it's not going to get the um, cost that you're going to see on Facebook. Um, the other thing that I'm seeing across all of our clients is uh, it used to be that so it used to be that people would would just start the process on uh, mobile and then they'd finish the process on desktop. Mm-hmm. That is not happening. Mm. It's starting yeah. and finishing on mobile. It's insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's absolutely insane. The um, it, it's even funny because I'm I'm seeing that when I when we break out our numbers, you've got um, desktop, Facebook app, and then Facebook mobile app. And the mobile app is basically using a Chrome browser or something on your, on a, on a, uh, you know, your phone or something and accessing Facebook that way. Um, so, uh, you know, converting that way happens more these days than even desktop does. Yeah, so, well, like, I, I believe it. And I mean, I, yeah, it just takes a while for people to trust new technologies like, like mobile, 
Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I knew I knew this was coming. It's just yeah, it's starting so, to actually be here now. <laughs> so what what would you say like if somebody wanted to run kind of a smaller campaign, like they're a solopreneur or they're you know they're they maybe have a smaller team. What what would you say are the best strategies right now for Facebook and Instagram as far as um, how about testing budgets campaign? too, like budgets too? Kind yeah. Of. Yeah, those are two loaded questions. Um, <laughs> all right, so it depends on what your budget is, right? Okay, so if you if you are on the shoestring budget and you want to dip your toe in and you want to start, um, you want to start getting you know some momentum. I think the my opinion is the best place to start is to create a video ad. Um, create some kind of video content that is highly, highly valuable. So Gary V, right? The jab, 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 right hook. Like give, mm-hmm. give your best stuff and create, you know, so just from a technical standpoint, two minutes or under that video can play in Facebook and Instagram feeds. However, some of our best performing ads are six, seven, eight minutes. We had, we had one video that was 49 minutes and the client made nine, like uh, I think it was $89,000 on that one 49 minute video. So, okay. So create a video that is, um, if, if you were to meet your perfect prospect, what's their biggest pain that you can solve, solve it. And at the end of it, have a really soft call to action, um, and then run it as a video view campaign and use it to test audiences and just get it in front of as many people as you possibly can. Like, like if you literally, if you're on a shoestring budget, you got five bucks a day, like that's all you can do. That's what I would say. Um, if you have more than that, then, you know, what I would suggest is you're, you're running something like that along with a conversion campaign. When we first were, were like f- working out the kinks on this process that we have, we made the mistake with one client who said they had an unlimited budget and when trusting uh, them. Trusted <laughs> that. Well, I actually knew her personally, which was okay. super heartbreaking in the end. Um, so what we did is we built out our, our strategy from the top down. Um, and what happened was, is she ran out of money. She, mm. she misled us, first of all. And then what we realized in all of it is we actually need to. So what we do now with our clients is we actually have multiple phases in the campaigns and we start, um, we try to get cash flow as fast as humanly possible, yeah. get some cash flow and then go back to the top of the funnel and build down. So it just, it really depends on where you are. And then budgets like, oh Lord, I always joke with our clients, like we're your ads team. We always want more money. Like we just want more money because we can get more data. So um, I think it's really important. And one thing we're actually um, rolling out here as soon as um, Black Friday Cyber Monday and stuff is over is we're actually going to create secondary ad accounts for all of our clients that will be testing accounts. And that's where we're going to test audiences. We're going to test creatives. We're going to test copy. And we're going to have all of those things running on relatively low budgets, um, probably five to 10 bucks a day um, per test. And so they're always running in the background. And so when we start to have ad blindness or we have to, you know, refresh creative, we have the data somewhere else that we can just move over into the main account. So, I have a couple, a couple more questions for you. And these are probably pretty high level for most people, but they're, they're relevant. They can, they can catch up later and figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if like when you're running an ad, like for split testing, for instance, uh, do you, um, do you run like several different, um, Sorry, I'm, I'm not also not blanked on the name. There's the ad, the, there's the um, ad set and ad the, set. Thank you. Are yep. you running like several ad sets into one ad or what? How do you how do you usually like structure those those kind of campaigns? Like, yeah, one, so, if you have one ad, how many ad sets? Um, like, are you I know some people that will pick like one interest level and some, you know, could do a ton of them. Um, those kind of things. Yeah. So the one interest level really was the thing of the past, and mm-hmm. it, you know, because Today, the way the algorithm works is it's actually gotten really good, which is sometimes scary, uh, but it's gotten really good. And so you want to make sure that you're especially cold traffic. You want your audiences to be as big as they possibly can. So in back in the day where it would be like uh, Russell Brunson is a target and Gary Vee is a target and yeah. Tony Robbins is a target and you'd run them all separate. Yep. Today, we typically lump them all into one. Um, we're trying. And, and if we do break them well, out, we, we break them out. Sure. Because you say lump them all into one. Because if you list them on one in one section, it's an or 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 kind of thing. Correct. Do you, do you do you exclude it? So they have to like this, this, and this, or do you leave it as the or? It d- it just depends on what we're doing, right? So um, if we're looking for like if we're looking for a B two B client, we'll have like um, maybe five or six interests. So that you know this one or this one or this one or this one, and they must be a business owner. Um, or a Facebook page administrator or some, okay. something like that. So mm-hmm. that's when we use those exclusions. But typically at the top of the funnel, we try to keep the audiences as big as possible. And then from a, a split test 
like when we're, we're setting that up, um, it, it goes back to the client's budget, right? So if the client has a big enough budget, then we might have 10, 12, 15, 20 ad sets in a campaign. And we may have just one ad in each one. It depends on what we're testing and what we're trying to get out. Um, the only thing I see is like when I do that, like the budget does not allocate equally. Uh, and I know that Facebook, Facebook kind of determines for you, but it doesn't seem yeah. like they're always right. Also, no, so. they're never right. Yeah. They are never right. <laughs> yeah. They're never right. It's so it's so frustrating because, you know, we test out all these cool new softwares and they always promise that the AI is going to be, you know, yeah. to, you know, get rid of your job or whatever. And it's like they never do as good of a job as we do. Do, so, do you think that AI will ever replace you uh, at some point? Um, I think I am irreplaceable, first and foremost, <laughs> Well, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, actually, I'll be, I, I want to answer that with all sincerity. Um, we're on a mission as a, as a company to become indispensable to our clients. And yeah. I, I know that AI will replace uh, some of the things that we do. Mm-hmm. But most of our clients don't hire us for the button pushing. We do the button pushing, but they really hire us to think. They hire us to build out these strategies. They hire us to do those things. And I don't think AI is going to replace that. Um, yeah, if if I was just a button pusher, if I built my entire agency around, yeah, I can run your ads. Sure. Um, that would be about, different. What about something like clicks versus landing page views? Uh, my understanding is landing page views. All that means is that the page fully loaded is like yes. the only difference. Yeah. So and it's really important. Optimize, you optimize for a landing page over clicks on my ticket all the time. Yeah. Okay. Always. Um, we, we still measure click through rate, like click through rates important. We look mm-hmm. at that as a, you know, just a, an indicator of the performance, but landing page views, if you're going to do just a traffic campaign, just traffic, like you're not yeah. trying to like get optimized for landing page views because it is, um, it lets you know that, that those people actually saw what was on the page. There's no, no telling if they, they bounced or not after that, but it's also a really good indicator. Sometimes people don't look at their Google analytics. It's a good indicator that you have a, you have a load, um, a load speed problem. Okay. That's, that's a good point too. Yeah. 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 And that's something that you really have to pay attention to because that will hurt the the success of your ads. My, my last question for you, cause we're, I know we're getting toward the end of our time. My <laughs> audience might have another one, but, uh, lookalike audiences. Um, do you use them? Like what's your experience been with lookalike audiences? Have you done like buyer lookalike audiences, things like that? Um, I've played with them a little bit. I, I, I've seen good engagement, but not necessarily good conversions from it. Conversions. Um, yeah. Yeah. So when we, when we set up cold traffic campaigns, we do three categories. We do lookalikes, we do, um, interest-based, and then we do broad audiences. Um, depending upon the account, broad audiences can be insane. We have a, we have $750 a day on one client, uh, broad audience. It's, it's just targeting women between the ages of 13 or sorry, 18 and 65. And that's all we're, that's all our targeting is. And we're getting some of our best cost per acquisition in that. Um, lookalikes can be really, really great. And I think they're incredibly important if you're going to try to scale. Um, and it's, it's really the crazy part about lookalikes is there's no rhyme or reason to which percentage and which lookalikes you might find that your, um, lookalikes of your fans convert better than lookalikes of your purchasers. I wish I understood why I don't sometimes, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a science and an art. What I do, I don't understand all of it. We just do a lot of it. So we we start to figure it out. And you test it all. You try it all. And we test it (laughs) all. Yeah. Everything's everything in our world is like, I don't know, let's test it. <laughs> no, and that's, that's, I mean, ultimately that's what marketing is right, really is just right. like, well, let's, let's try this thing. And it's, uh, it's funny because, um, I, I had a, I, uh, I had a client uh, a year ago and they had a, um, uh, skin, they were a skincare brand and, uh, they were having trouble with their Facebook ads, mostly because all of their Facebook ads were like, beautiful models that were just like shiny faces. I'm like, these people are not relatable. And so, uh, uh, I, I, what I did was, uh, they were also doing some influencer marketing. So I took one of the videos that one of the influencers made and then I ran that as an ad. And, yeah, that's uh, awesome. Really and, smart. and you know, it, it, like the analytics were through the roof and it was like, okay guys, so let's, let's do that. And let's double down. Um, yeah. They fired me. <laughs> you know, I mean, we, and we could have a whole nother like hour long conversation about just that in general. Like, you know, this is a social platform. You got to fit in. People don't want to steal yeah. or produce stuff. They're really suspicious of it. You know, there's, there's so much controversy around the platform and I know we didn't, uh, Andros, we could have gone even further, but we're just, we're trying over here to do really good things, um, yeah. with, with something that, uh, you know, there's been a lot of crap and it's really frustrating, but we're, we're, I think I'm really proud of the work we're doing. And, uh, and what's so election you, year, there might be more controversies coming. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> so do you, Are do you, you kidding me? Yeah. So do you create, you, you do the creatives too for the ads? 
Um, so it depends on the client. It depends on what it is. Um, but uh-huh. we do, we, we are not a graphic design team. That's probably my greatest weakness right now. I think probably early next year, I'll be looking to hire somebody to really fill that gap. Um, but we write all the copy because writing copy for social is not like writing copy for email or for a sales page. It's totally different. So we write all of that. Um, we consult on the, the creative, um, we consult on all of that. Um, do you see that you know, more story oriented on social or like, what, what do you mean? What was, give me one example of how it's different. I'm just curious. Um, it, it, just in terms of, of copy, copy, copy versus social versus email. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a lot more conversational. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's much more like, how would you write if you were going to post something yourself? Yeah. Um, okay. you know, there is this kind of trend going on for a little while with this, like this format of how you should write all your ads. And it was super, super long. And it was like, that is, <laughs> that just doesn't feel right. Like none of it felt right. So, you know, there's, and there's also certain things like, um, you can't use personal attributions and you can't say you like, um, yeah. are you frustrated with, no yeah, you yeah. can't do any call outs. Like it's just, it's just totally different. So, um, you know, it's, it, a lot of times the client until we really know the client voice, like they'll give us bullet points and they'll give us like what they think the copy should be. And then we, we <laughs> massage it and fix it. And then eventually we take it over and write it That's off. Really so. good, yeah. That's really good client. That's really good. But, but we, we tell them up front. So they know that's coming, you know, and most of them really, really appreciate the fact that we're, we're doing it. So it's going to succeed. And then they appreciate that we're doing that to, to really learn their voice. Yeah. So the worst thing is when you write copy and it doesn't sound like them and they're pissed. Yeah. So hundred percent agree with that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, man, this was this was uh, super exciting. Um, you know, I, I could, don't lie. I could, don't lie. You hate <laughs> no, it, it, it is because there. I mean, it, because I don't. I, I'm. I am now disconnecting from the platform. There's a lot that I. I don't Miss know out and stuff. stuff. <laughs> yeah, there, I mean, there's there's other stuff I would love to ask you about, like like. Um, you know, uh, how to, how to get people, uh, convert people, you know, not only with their ads, but how do you recommend people do what they do when they get to a landing page? Like what you recommend is there, um, and also just, yeah, and just more the structure of the funnel and also, uh, authenticity. Like you, you know, you, you, your business, uh, according to your own bios is really about having authentic, uh, marketing, and I want to find out more about that. Will, will you come back on the show? We would love. To I was going to just say you should have me back on. Yeah. I would be. Oh, I'd totally. love to. Yeah, we, we never fun. we didn't get into the authentic stuff. That was a whole thing we were going to cover too. Yeah, yeah. 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 Sorry, we, yeah. we had so many interesting things to talk about. Well, uh, th- yeah, this is great. But uh, since we are the marketing geeks, we want to find out. Well, what? Wait, wait, before before that, Andres, let's give her a chance to plug uh, plug the oh, website. Yeah. Here. yeah. So let's let's plug the website. So um, go ahead, Tracy. Yeah. Okay. So you, I've got a mini course. Um, it's a free course. It talks about our three pillars. It's the strategy of it. So you can get that and connect with me on all the social uh, platforms. If you go to divinesocial.com forward slash marketing geeks. And for those of you that are, um, hardcore, you know, really wanting to scale your, your Facebook, um, or your Instagram ads, if you're already running a couple thousand dollars a month of traffic and you want me to take a look at it, then email me directly uh, at Tracy at divinesocial.com. And, um, I'll schedule a 15 minute session. We'll share a screen. I'll look at your ads manager, take a look and see if I can make any suggestions for you. I'd be happy to do it for this audience. It's been, especially because I know you may also hate Facebook like Andros does. So I want to help. Yeah. Well, that, uh, that's a very generous, generous offer. And, um, uh, so yeah, we'll put a link in the, uh, in the description below. So, uh, at least, you know, uh, check out the, and you still doing the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Show's still there. Yeah. Check us out too. Uh, if you want a little bit of nonsense between my co-host Don and I, uh, we, we do get to business, but sometimes, Oh Lord, you've no idea how we might start a show. Yeah. <laughs> and that, what was the name awesome. of that show again? It's the, it's the social media marketing happy hour, social media marketing happy hour. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, man, thank you so much, uh, for, uh, doing this now, uh, before you go, we, we always like to geek out on, you know, find out what other people are geeking out about. So, uh, what are you, what are you geeky about right now? Movie, TV show, book, uh, hobby. Oh uh, my gosh. What are you, what are you most geeky about right now? I'm, I'm, so I'm like, because of the whole thing with my sister, um, I'm pretty geeky about, um, I've been doing a lot of ancestry.com stuff. Um, <laughs> I just, uh, I actually, it's ironic. I, you know, finding that out. I was in Florida uh, with my Nana, who's 93, and her sister, who's 95. And so I was, I had my ancestry dashboard up, asking them questions, filling it out. So I'm pretty, outside of business, I'm pretty geeky about that at the current moment. That's great. That's yeah. great. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. We, I, I, and I want to find out more about that story because that sounds uh, fascinating. It's crazy. Uh, Justin, what are, you, what, are you, what are you geeky about right now, man? Well, if you love Mark Zuckerberg, 
then I think you really <laughs> love... Which I do. <laughs> Come on, I we think all you're do. really going to love this TV show. I told, you, I, I told you about it last episode, too, I think. There's a show called Succession on HBO, which yeah. is about, Ooh. like, corporate greed and a bunch of family members backstabbing each other, trying to take over the company that their dad ran. The dad has a stroke in the, in the first episode, and so... Everybody um, sees an opening and they're all gunning for it. Uh, unfortunately, the dad does not die, but it makes for great. It makes for great television. So it's a good. <laughs> it's a great show. <laughs> uh, that and then um, our, our prior guest uh, Chase Hughes. I've got his book, The Ellipsis Manual. So I'm trying to. I'm trying to work through that and get better at uh, reading human behavior. So we'll see. Just, I, I thought you were going to say you were just getting better at reading, like you know. Oh yeah, start that with too. Your, reading with your son's like ABC book, Doctor Seuss. You know, yeah. maybe maybe there. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I am uh, I'm currently watching the impeachment hearings, and uh, that's uh, it's riveting. It's 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 Can't riveting. Miss <laughs> it, it's riveting because there are there are people who are coming up and just kind of explaining like these people are inflappable. Like if I had to sit up there and like explain this stuff, I would be losing my mind and like I would be it'd be hard for me to talk. I'd be like, ay, ay, ay. <laughs> uh, and so you have you have basically like these people who are career uh, you know politicians talking about what what happened and then. You have the you, you just have banana heads like there's just there's banana heads. <laughs> One of my yeah. goals well, right really... now is I'm trying to strike a happy medium between like news and not news. <laughs> like I, I feel like in the past I can get I can go down rabbit holes and get into that. So like it wastes so much time. So I'm trying to like limit my exposure. Yeah, well, I think like you're really fortunate. Yeah. For Andrews, for you to even take the time out to record this, because like you should be watching the hearings. Yeah, right you're now. missing like, out, I, I, man. I feel pretty great. <laughs> Here's the secret. You want to know the secret? So when the when the hearings are live, I wait until they're like several hours in, and then I go on YouTube and I listen to them at double speed. There we go. And until catch right up. <laughs> that's right. That's and then right, they speak at right. normal rates. I should probably go triple speed for those. <laughs> yeah, because they, they speak really slowly. Anyway, yeah. uh, it's history in the making. It's just uh, fascinating to watch. I'm geeky about it. And. You know, that's what's going on. Uh, but uh, uh, so uh, everybody, uh, uh, Tracy uh, Reuters, thank you. Reuter, Reuter, Reuter. Thank you so much uh, for being on the show. And uh, yeah, please come back. We're going to have you back Thanks on. Thanks for having me. A lot of fun. I'd yeah. love to. Yeah. 